0: All right, so, uh all right, there we go. So good morning and welcome to our um, next section, uh, lesson um, 13, lesson 13 of the survey of the New Testament history, the book of Acts. And um, so we are on chapter six. This is our last chapter um, of the book. And uh, what an incredible journey that we have uh, been on uh, for the last uh, few months or so. So it is um, really, really a, um, an incredible journey. Us uh, taking a um, non, uh, a non-common, uh, uncommon um, approach to the book of um, to the book of Acts, and to look at it um, in the way. That uh, the original author intended for his uh, uh, for his original readers um, to to read the book of Acts. So we're basically putting our our uh, going back in time and putting ourselves in the place uh, where the uh, where the original um, readers, which would be the um, the uh with, which will be Theophilus, uh, or it could be like we talked about um, before. Theophilus could be a person, or it could be um, uh, people who um, who love God. So um, putting ourselves back in that position, understanding where they are, and um, understanding um, Luke's perspective too, how he is writing in a perspective of um, continuation of old covenant. Uh, or Old Testament history. Um, he's a continuation of, the, of Jewish history, I should say. Um, that's uh, the way that he is writing. And so we are looking at the transition, uh, transitional point from uh, the Jews coming from the old covenant to the new covenant. And what does that entail? So we have really been on the journey. So I pray that this class has been a blessing to you. We have one more lesson next week and then um, we'll hop into our new, um, our new class, which would be, which will be commitment to discipleship. So, okay, since we've been talking about discipleship um, in church, um, decided to just go ahead and jump to that class um, there um, so that we can uh, dig deeper um, to have an understanding of what Um, discipleship is, okay? So everyone was sent an email. If you're on the family page, make sure you register for the up-and-coming class so that you can receive a copy of the textbook. Um, Those who need books sent to them, make sure you fill out the appropriate fields. And those who are picking up books for the church, make sure you check that box uh, that you are picking it up from the church, okay. Also, I want to make mention for today: um, those who are attending service today, um, that the uh, that church is still closed to the public, and that um, there is a poll out on the Facebook family page um, to let us know uh, if you are coming. Um, go ahead and go ahead and check that box um, if you're coming, if you're not coming, so, the, so that we can make the uh, appropriate accommodations uh, for, for those who are coming. OK, um, we're not mandating masks, but it's highly encouraged to to uh, wear your mask, especially um, in the state of uh, where this world is. We want to make sure that we are protecting one another. What a way to love one another by um, considering your neighbor and protecting one another. OK, um, so um, I think that's all um, I needed to mention as far as my um, my housekeeping items or um, opening statements. So are there any questions concerning this lesson, last week's lesson, or are you just now catching up? So you got some stuff to talk about from weeks ago. Um, you can talk about that. So um, if, if there are any questions or comments or even just light bulb moments that you want to uh, talk about, this is your moment to do so. All right, I just wanted to make sure I afford you all that opportunity um, to um, ask your questions. And of course, throughout the class, if you have questions or comments, you can do so at any time, okay? So um, let me just go ahead and uh, share my screen with everyone. Okay. So we are covering, um, the end of an error. The law is no longer the direct authority for God's people. And so last week we talked about, um, the temple no longer, uh, being the, uh, the temple and the temple leaders no longer being a direct authority. So now we are talking about the law is no longer the direct authority. Okay. So in this, um, it's, in this lesson here, it's going to be kind of, kind of complicated. Um, So at any time, if you need for me to explain um, some things um, that I'm talking about even further, um, definitely um, raise your hand and let me know, okay? Because when it comes to the law, many of us don't have a, a clear understanding when it comes to the law. We understand the law was given to Israel Um, At a point, we thought the law was the the Ten Commandments, but then coming to an understanding that the law has about 613 laws, um, in that that's all we really know. We don't really, uh, we may hear um, various laws that exist, um, but we don't, uh, we haven't really gotten the chance to study the law. So some things I may mention, um, if you don't have an understanding of it, um, definitely Uh, raise your hand and I will try to explain it the best way that I can. Okay. So um, let me go ahead and hop into this lesson here. So the uh, lesson objectives today at the end of the lesson, students will learn more about the relationship between the dispensation and covenants of law and grace. So if you have been um, in this program for a while, you heard us talk about dispensation and covenants, so I want for you to familiarize yourself again um, when it comes to dispensations. I believe that many of you all have this chart. Um, if not, it is definitely in the um, drop in the Dropbox or in the uh, Google Drive. Um, this chart of dispensations. So this is a way of how God was dealing with his people. So when you see here, let me see here, uh, uh, dispensation from law to grace, we are looking at that transition. Um, What does that entail transitioning from law to grace? Uh, We we hear people say, you know, we are no longer under the law and that we are under grace. And what does that mean? uh, it really, what does that mean, really? So uh, so we're going to kind of talk about that, um, understanding um, uh, the covenants as well. So coming out of the uh, Mosaic Covenant, um, going into the New Covenant, what were the um, implications? What, what happened? Uh, what does that mean coming from Mosaic to New Covenant? Uh, what ends, what begins, and all that stuff. So Uh, We're definitely going to talk about that um, in in our lesson today. Um, And the the second objective is that we're going to learn how coherently the Bible unfolds God's plan to include non-Jews in a way like never before in the book of Acts. So um, like I've been saying, we've been looking at the transition of how the Jews um, are no longer God's chosen people, and now the church is um, God's chosen people. But the Jews did not really know that that included um, other races, other um, people uh, in this particular plan. And so, uh, without going through Judaism, and so we're going to talk. We're going to talk about that and uh, talk about the issue with circumcision and, and things, and things like that. So, and then the last point is we're going to learn about the critical yet temporary role of the apostles. So next week, we'll hit on this point here, talk about the role of the apostles, their temporary role, um, and how, um, and how their, the, the importance of, of, um, of the, the teachings of the apostles were very important, um, during, during that time, uh, of the, beginning of the church because they did not have uh, New Testament scriptures uh, to go off of like we do today. And so hearing the apostles, uh, God was using the apostles to speak divine revelation. And so we're going to talk about that even more next week. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about that more next week. So then, so today we are, uh, your book is broken up into four, this chapter is broken up to four sections. We're going to get through the first two, um, the debate about the law in Acts, and then Jesus, the one whom the law pointed to has now come. Next week, we'll look at the apostolic leadership authority um, and then sensitivity to Jewish beliefs about the law, okay? Um, preferably, i would get through the first two. When I was timing myself yesterday, I went over uh, about 17 minutes, so I don't know if I'm gonna get through point two, So we'll see how far we get today Um, So, because I want to be respectful of you all's time, okay? All right, so there are some uh, foundational things that I want for you to understand or or, um, I'm going to make mention throughout this lesson. So I want for you to understand what I'm what I'm talking about, pretty much. So when we talk about the law, that the law is broken up into three categories. The first category um, is ceremonial, ceremonial law. So I think we're pretty familiar when it comes to uh, sacrifices and offerings that Israel had to adhere to. Um, uh, da- there was daily sacrifices. They were um, seasonal sacrifices. They were there were um, uh, seasonal offerings. I should say they were grain offerings. They were. There were so many different different ceremonial um, laws that they had to had to keep. Um, and so um, and so that's one aspect of the law that talks about that. The second um, aspect of the law is civil. So basically, how they should conduct themselves as um, as the people of God. Okay, um, moral law it contains to their pertains to their, uh, pertains to their um, righteousness. Okay, um, their their works. Okay, because their their works tied into their salvation. Okay, justification and sanctification, sanctification were, were the same for them. Okay, and so if they did not adhere to the law. That means that they were no longer saved. Jews could lose their salvation, okay? Um, And so that's something to really keep in mind. So during this lesson today, I'm going to uh, make mention of ceremonial law, civil law, moral law. So now you have a kind of a a general understanding of of each three categories, okay? Okay. Then the next one is the three audiences in the New Testament. So when we're looking at the New Testament, we are looking at three types of people. Okay. When we're looking in the Gospels, we are looking, we are dealing with Old Covenant Israel. Okay. Even though in the Gospels it is in the New Testament, technically it is still, um, Old Covenant is still in play. Okay, so that will kind of trip us up um, if we if we don't know that that the new covenant um, uh, came on the scene uh, um, during Acts two. It came into play um, during Acts two, and so uh, so from the Gospels to to the, uh, to Acts two, the old covenant was still in play. And so we are still dealing with, um, old covenant Jews, uh, during, during this period of time. So, um, then you'll, you'll see after Acts two, you'll see, um, the new covenant Israel. Okay. Um, uh, coming into scene. So they were still, they didn't understand, uh, where the law fits in and, uh, what was, um, what was dissolved and things of that sort. So you're still dealing with new covenant Israel. They did not uh, for the first 15 years of after uh, establishing the church, no Gentile, no outsider um, uh, joined, joined the church. Um, And so we are going, we're going to talk about that even more uh, why was that so? And then um, um, in the New Testament, you, number three is that the, one of the audience is the church. So that is uh, Jew, Gentile, uh, those from various nations. And so Um, so that's an audience that we're going to deal with as well. And you may say like, well, isn't the same new covenant Israel and church is the same? Not necessarily because of what we're going to talk about in Acts 15. We're going to talk about the issue, uh, that the Jews had, um, uh, that the, yeah, the issue that the Jews had when it comes to understanding the law and things of that sort. Okay. Um, so that's one thing to keep in mind, because I'm going to mention Old Covenant it Jew, New Covenant Jew. So you kind of figure, kind of have a general idea of what I'm talking about. And the last, I think I've given these before, but I want to make sure that I bring these up again. So four transitional indicators to consider when looking at the New Testament. OK, um, so when you're looking at the. Um, Uh, The New Testament, you want to uh, create a framework or a box to stay in uh, so that you won't um, uh, inappropriately uh, apply scripture because you think it's for you, but um, or you may think uh, you understand what is going on in scripture but I want for you to, to keep these transitional indicators in mind when looking at scripture. And of course, we're going to do some practice with these. I'm going to make mention of these um, when we're looking at scripture so that you kind of have a um, more of an understanding of what I'm talking about. So first transition that we must keep in mind is that they are transitioning from law to grace. Okay. I will, we've been talking about that um, pretty much. And so we're going to Uh, you're going to see that. Um, The second one is transition uh, from, it should be from, Old Old Testament scriptures to no new written scriptures. So during this time, as the church began to come on the scene, they didn't have what we have today. They didn't have New Testament scriptures. And so therefore, um, because they did not have Old Testament scriptures, they still looked to the Old Testament scripture or the law for, for their authority, okay? And so this is why during this time, um, um, you had a lot of phenomena, you had a lot of miracles, you had a lot of things that were going on um, when it comes to uh, prophecy, when it, when it came to um, speaking in tongues, uh, when it comes to divine revelation, you see these being very prominent in the New Testament because they did not have no new written scriptures, okay? So they listened uh, attentively to the apostles because these are the people that God we're using to give divine revelation. Okay. Basically the scriptures that we have today, he was using the apostles to do so. Okay. The third, the third transitional indicator is focused on the Jews to the church. So Jews is no longer um, God's chosen people. The church is um, God's chosen people. Okay. And then the fourth one is the focus on the presumption of discipleship. So when it comes to discipleship, discipleship, existed for years, for decades. Discipleship was not anything new, okay? Um, Everybody had disciples. There were so many branches of Judaism um, that existed, and so uh, many leaders um, had disciples, okay? It was commonplace for a disciple to follow a particular leader when it comes to um, understanding the teaching. They gave up everything to follow um, a particular leader. It was commonplace. It was not, Jesus wasn't doing anything new. He was actually just following culture. This is what uh, rabbis did. This is what teachers did when they are um, training up people in discipleship, they will call people out and begin to teach them. And so, so when the church came on the scene, they already had a mindset of of listening attentively to teachers or to or to their leaders. OK. And so that's one thing that uh, we lack today. We don't have in our churches. We don't have systematic discipleship like the Jews did. They had this is this is what they Did 247, seven days a week discipleship. We don't have that same testimony today. Okay. So when we're looking at particular things in scripture, we have to understand that um, once you, once in scripture, once you become saved or once you become part of the church, you are automatically a disciple because of how they structured, how the church was structured back then, of them coming together every day and studying the word of God. They were automatically disciples. But um, today, we don't have that. um, We don't have that same transition of once you become saved, you become a a disciple. Um, uh, That didn't, that did, that does not occur today. Um, So we have many who believe, um, but they have not committed themselves to the teachings of of discipleship, uh, teachings of Jesus Christ, um, and committing themselves to discipleship. And many churches today don't have systems in place, don't have classes, don't have um, a curriculum, don't have anything in place um, uh, that reflects uh, the gathering of how how the um, how the New Covenant Church uh, got together um, daily to study the Word. Okay, so I just wanted to lay out these foundational things, I guess these, um, these indicators. Um, so when we're looking at this particular section in our book, that you kind of have an understanding of what the author is talking about, okay? So I just covered a lot. I could just end class right there because that was a lot. People are like, Jesus. And so um, are there any questions though of what I talked about or you need for me to um, expand on anything that that I've discussed so far? Okay all right all right all right all right so y'all probably just holding holding on for the ride so uh like i said this chapter is no joke so we're going to to hit it okay so let's just go ahead and um uh oh there, there there was one point i wanted to let's go back well no yeah, let's go back here real quick. There was something I wanted to really hit when it comes to understanding ceremonial, civil, and moral. Okay, I'm jumping into the lesson, but I just want to make clarity of that. So, when it comes to the ceremonial law, when the veil was ripped into two, that ended the ceremonial law. Okay, um, and so, uh, but the people, the people, uh, the Jewish people did not un- did not know that the ceremonial aspect of the law had ended okay so therefore you will still see jews going to the temple and offering sacrifices and offerings because they had no idea that this ceremonial law was fulfilled by jesus christ okay um and so um you will see in scripture that it will say, you know, um, that, well, you will hear the author say, and in the scripture that talks about how the law is no longer, um, authority for, for God's people. It is, um, talking more on the ceremonial and moral law. Okay. So, um, doing sacrifices is no longer authority and, um, righteousness based on, based on your works, um, salvation based on your works is no longer authority for, for the people as well. And so you will see Paul argue in scripture about the law, but yet at the same time, you see Paul adhere to the law and you're like, well, is he contradicting himself? Like what is really going on with Paul? That one moment he said the law, um, you know the uh, you should not follow the law when it comes to uh, particular things, but yet on the other hand, he says uh, you know that we should uh, adhere to the law because it is good and things of that sort. You're just like, well, what is he talking about? And so you have this is this is why you have to understand the aspects of the law. So when Paul is negative uh, negatively talking about um, Talking against the law, he is talking about the justification aspect of the law. Okay. So he is talking um, about how the law cannot save you, um, that your faith in Jesus Christ, your belief in Jesus Christ um, saves you. Okay. So he talks negatively about that particular aspect of the law. But then you'll see him say, you know, I don't permit a woman to, to, to speak. Um, uh, according to the law, and you're just like, well, didn't you just bash the law not too long ago? Well, that part there, uh, not permitting a woman to speak, was uh, part of the civil law. Okay, so there are some aspects of the law that Paul still adhered to, which is the civil law. And he was, when you're looking at that particular situation, when he's talking about not allowing a woman to speak, um, he was dealing, um, he was uh, speaking to this particular church because there there were um, newly converts um, coming into the church, women converse coming into the church who came from pagan, who came from pagan religions that really um, allowed women to be very vocal and they held um, leadership positions um, in, in their particular religion. They were trying to carry over that same mindset to the church and, and it caused a lot of division. It caused a lot of hurt and harm. And so Paul is saying Um, according to Jewish tradition or Jewish customs, um, we don't allow a woman to speak or we don't allow a woman to teach over a man. So it was, um, he used this particular aspect of the law to handle situations that may be going on. So it's just, it's like a cultural thing um, that he mentions. Um, It's just like we have some cultural aspects today that we may adhere to um, that is not particularly law, but it's culturally, it's culture. And so that is what um, Paul was doing when he was addressed, when he um, said that um, I wish a woman not to, you know, I don't permit a woman to speak. He was um, really um, solving some issues that there were going on, but we never know that Um, unless we did the study and understand the particular aspects of the law. And so now we've taken that many, especially Christianity has taken that And um, to the point where they don't allow women to speak at all, they can't preach, they can't teach, they can't do nothing um, because they take in that particular scripture, but don't but don't know the particulars um, of what was going on when Paul said that. Okay, so that's um, that's an example of using um, understanding civil law, uh, ceremonial law and moral law. Okay, All right. Any questions about that? or comments? So would it be um, when interpreting kind of when Paul was going back and forth, um, would it be kind of safe to say that he still tried to keep in place the moral aspects of the law? Um, he kept he kept the civil aspects. Uh, when it comes to moral aspects, that, that when we look at moral law, it was about righteousness, um, how your works uh, uh, Make you righteous. So remember that when it comes to moral, when it comes to civil law, that is the aspect of the law that he still kind of enforced um, because of the people that he was dealing with. So he had to basically come on their level um, and um, uh, tell them, you know, what is still kind of applicable. What what is still kind of um, uh, basically? He still kind of regulated. He still kind of enforced particular. Um, cultural customs and things of that sort so yeah um any other questions or comments all righty all righty so we're going to still do some more exercises with that so we could have a you know a clearer understanding of that but i just wanted to to definitely make that make that point there okay so um, Let's go ahead and jump into our slides today, okay? So we are looking at the end of the era. The law is no longer direct authority uh, for God's people. So of course these slides are in the drive. Um, You can follow along, especially if you didn't get a chance to write all that I was talking about in the beginning. Um, It's all in the drive, okay? So um, those who approach the scriptures of thinking that everything in the scriptures, everything in the Bible is is for them, they don't have an understanding of, um, of the phrase, the end of an era. They don't have an understanding of uh, dispensations. They don't have an understanding of, of covenants and God's progression, uh, uh divine revelation and, uh, things of that sort. So they, they really look at the Bible as just being, being horizontally. And so what, um, what does that mean when it comes to us looking at scriptures? Um, and so looking at scriptures, um, the, in, in, in a progressive, uh, mode really, um, uh, allows us to um, interpret scriptures properly, um, rather than looking at scriptures horizontally and thinking everything is, is for me, and um, I'm no longer under the law and all that stuff. And so, um, and so uh, we are we are um, looking at, like I said, the the transition from uh, from the from the Jews. Um, understanding that the law is no longer the authority. So what now is the authority for for us? Um, it is the apostles' teaching and Jesus's teachings are no longer are, are now the direct authority. okay? So we're going to go into more detail about that so you so you all can understand, okay. Um, and so let's just um, look at this scripture here and it says that know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. So here, Paul is speaking neg- uh, negatively about the law. A person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we, too, have to put our faith in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law, because by the works of the law, no one is Justified. Okay, so here we see Paul speaking on an aspect of the law. Here he is um, talking about moral law. Here that um, that the uh, righteousness or the works of the law does not justify us anymore. Okay. But we are justified by faith in Christ. Okay. So this is what, um, Paul is, um, really, really talking about here. So who is we in the scripture? The, we is the new covenant Jews. He is speaking to the new covenant Jews. Galatia, the, the letter of Galatia, um, is a very early letter. So he is speaking to the new covenant, um, Jews. So they put their faith, um, they uh Paul is telling them to put their faith in Christ Jesus uh rather than put their faith in in Moses and in the law okay um uh, so the the works of the law um in the Jewish culture made them righteous okay but Paul is saying no that no longer makes you righteous okay faith in Jesus Christ makes you righteous okay we don't have a righteousness of our own we can't declare ourselves righteous we are only righteous because the one who is righteous declared us to be righteous. The one who fulfilled the law to a T um, is the one who was righteous and he has declared us to be righteous, okay? So let's jump into our book um, on page 175, okay? Um, in the very beginning of this chapter here, okay? So starting in the first paragraph, it says, in the previous chapter we observed that Acts 3 through 7 shows the ramification for um, the old, let me see here, yeah, for the old era institution of the temple and t- temple leadership in light of the emphasis in Acts 1 and 2 on the reign of Davidic King David in the inaugurated kingdom of God. Okay, so that's what we talked about last last week. So the pouring out of the Holy Spirit is evidence that the Lord Jesus reigns from the throne of David. The last days have arrived, and God's last days promises for the restoration of His people are being fulfilled. So what people are being fulfilled? This is Israel being fulfilled. Okay, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was first for for Israel. Uh, for, for the Jews. Okay. So when the author is saying um, that the Lord Jesus reigns from the throne of David, um, Israel was expecting a King David. They were looking for uh, a Davidic King. We as Gentiles, we were not looking for a Davidic King. So we must understand when Paul is addressing the new covenant Jews versus when he's uh, speaking to the, the rest of the church. Okay. Um, and so Uh, We talked about the Davidic king last week, so definitely uh, continue to build up your capacity when it comes to understanding um, that that role um, in the in the Jews' um, plan of salvation. There, okay, Um, and so let's go back to the book. Here it says. since God's intentions for the temple have been fulfilled in in Jesus, and since Jesus now reigns as Lord, as his chosen apostles, are the new leaders of God's new people. So God's new people are those who turn to Jesus in repentance and faith and have received God's blessing of forgiveness and the Holy Spirit. So a question that I want to ask you all is what sense has God's Intentions for the temple had been fulfilled in Jesus Christ. What sense? Let me let me say that question again. Um, what sense has God's intention for the temple had been fulfilled in Jesus? What was what is God's intention when it comes to His dwelling? What what was God's intention when it comes to a temple or what do we understand about the temple and god's presence i should say i'm trying to drop you out some hints that's where okay. they went to experience god okay yeah they went to experience god talk about it some more so what does that look like now in the new covenant how do they experience god now um his dwelling place is inside of us once we receive him right yep so now jesus christ has has fulfilled that um and so now we don't have to go to a temple to experience um experience god we can experience God 24 seven because he dwells inside of us. Okay. So that's, that's um, the answer to that question. Thank you for that. And so, um, so the fulfillment of the temple now is indwelling. It is no longer a a temporary thing. Um, And and we don't have to go to a building to experience um, uh, a temple Uh, experience God, I'm sorry, experience God. Um, The building was temporary. Okay. Okay. So then let's go back to the book. It says, um, then what has become of the Mosaic law in the new age? The question is all um, the more pressing given Jesus' words that the law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John. Since that um, time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached, okay? So, when we look at scripture, you, we hear it um, being said in Luke 16 and 16. I didn't put that in the slides, but in Luke 16 and 16, it says, The law and the prophets are until John. Uh, for that time, the gospel of the kingdom of God is preached, every man entereth violently into it. And so now, um, Jesus is saying that um, with the authority of of, the, of, the, of Moses, Um, has now um, ended in some sense with John, okay? Um, So now he is the, John we understand is the forerunner of Jesus Christ. So the law uh, really ended when Jesus came on the scene. In what aspect though um, has the law ended? As it being the main, the, the direct authority, okay? Now the direct authority, John has handed that baton, or handed uh, yes, what's called the baton, to Jesus Christ, and now the authority is in Jesus Christ. That's why you will hear in many of Jesus' sermons, he he will say, "You have heard it said," but I say, that is him exercising his authority. So we have to understand that Jesus did not come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill it and he came to show how the law should have been carried out. So so Jesus gives us the highest interpretation, the highest um, authority of the law, okay, and so that uh, what was going on when we look at that, that scripture is when it says the law and prophets were until John. So now the authority of the law and the prophets are um, has ended when it comes to authority. And now the authority is in Christ Jesus. OK. Um, and so uh, when it comes to the teachings of Jesus Christ, he was teaching to the old Covenant Jews, okay. Um, uh, it says in the scripture that Jesus was a teacher to 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 Israel, and to specify, he was um, a teacher to the Old Covenant Jews, okay. So, um, and so then once once Jesus left the scene, once he when he ascended to heaven, he passed that authority down to the disciples and the apostles. Okay, Um, uh, we're going to talk about it more next week when it comes to the assignment of the apostles and how they um, had um, uh, more preparation uh, when it comes when it comes to uh, carrying the the uh, the not commitment, but the. the commission of of Jesus Christ. They had more preparation and more time spent with Jesus. So their their assignment looked differently from the other disciples, okay? Um, Because during that time, Jesus had hundreds of of disciples, but the particular work of the 12 or the 11 looked differently from the other, other disciples, okay? Uh, So Jesus replaced Moses and then he transferred the authority to his disciples or the church. Okay, so that means that um, if you're not a disciple today, that means you don't have any authority and power because Jesus gave his authority and power to disciples. Okay, so that's why um, it is so important for us to understand discipleship and what it means to be a disciple, because power and authority has been given to us, uh, from Jesus Christ. He doesn't just give it to those who just believe, but those who have committed themselves in discipleship. Okay. We're going to talk about that some more. Um, let's go back to the book. Um, it's the sentence that says, after it says Luke 16 and 16, it says, what is the relationship? Um, what is relationship between the law of Moses and the people of God now in the inaugurated kingdom after Jesus' ascension. After a brief orientation to some of the debate after about the law and acts, this chapter will argue that Luke points to the authority of the Lord Jesus and the teaching of his apostles as the um, direct guiding authority for God's people now that the one to whom the Mosaic law pointed has, come. That is such an important point. If you highlight in your book or underline, please underline that. That is such an important uh, point right there, okay? So there is a new authority after the ascensions of Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 2. Um, So the end of Acts gives us the apostles the prominent role, but it was a temporary and occasional role, okay? And like I said, Jesus chose these 11 um, to carry out the role, okay? Um, so uh, going back into the book, it says, thus, although um, uh, Luke is not against the Mosaic law, he emphasizes, one, that the proclamation of Jesus is the proclamation of the one to whom the law pointed." Point two, the authority and teaching of the apostles is now the guiding authority for believers in Jesus Christ. And point three, even though under the direct authority of the Lord Jesus and his apostles, aspects of the law are no longer required. Um, This shift does not mandate insensitivity to Jews, okay? So um, here the author's using the word aspects of the law. So this is what we've been talking about. Certain aspects of the law are still in play. And then there's aspects of the law that are not um, in play. And Paul tells um, the newly believers to be sensitive to those who do not have an understanding of what is going on or um, do not understand that a change has has come. okay? Um, just like even today, as we're walking, as we're uh, coming to an understanding of what is discipleship and we're getting a clearer understanding of scripture, we're going deeper and deeper, we need to have patience and be sensitive to those who may not have an understanding. Our first inclination is to go and tell people what we've been learning and, and all this stuff and Um, get into debates and arguments and all that stuff. You don't want to um, cause um, hurt amongst the body of Christ by doing that. Just as Paul met them where they were, we as disciples are going to learn how to meet other believers where they are and to understand um, their belief system and to eventually bring them up um, uh, uh, introduce discipleship to them and bring them up. But we must be in, uh, we must be sensitive to where they are. Okay. Don't be frustrated. Uh, don't get in debates, uh, with people. If they talk crazy, let them talk crazy. But if they come to you, um, you know, asking, um, about, uh, asking about particular things or, you know, you want to be able to uh, go to scripture. Don't say, well, I heard in TLC class or I heard one of the elders say, no. So this this is why it's so important if uh, if you're in debates or around people uh, debating, and if you don't have the right uh, tools as far as understanding scripture and be able to give them scripture uh, on things, you need to just keep silent because more than likely you're gonna cause more hurt than good, okay? So um, so this is what Paul was uh, telling the other um, disciples, um, other new, newly believers um, to do, okay? Yes, I, yes that, that's, my, that's my new word. Now, when I read it in the book and it just kind of struck a chord, like, okay, being sensitive to those who may not have an understanding um, and so, having compassion upon um, those who may not have un- uh, understanding. Yes. Um, and so, um, let's hop into, I guess, some time, 1018. So, let's go into the debate of the of law about, um, about the law in Acts. So, what to become of a law in the New Testament, especially the book of Acts? has continued to be a subject of fierce debate among the church. In fact, as we survey the book of Acts, we find that that this debate has been ongoing from the beginning of the church age and it continues until this very day, okay? So this issue about the debate of the law, it should have been settled in the New Testament period, um, in the early um, New New Testament period. Um, Paul tries to settle um, about the law, about the place of the law in his letters, and there are some evidence um, uh, uh, the early church um, saw themselves being still being under the law, and so when we look at Acts twenty-one, it kind of shows it kind of shows um, this uh, particular issue that was going on. So Paul was out meeting James um, and, um, this is the conversation that Paul was having with James. Um, it says that when they have heard it, they praise God. And they said to him, you see brother, how many thousands of believers there are among the Jews and they are zealous for the law. Okay. They have been told about you, that you teach all the Jews, um, living among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, and that you tell them not to circumcise their children or to, to observe customs. What then is to be done? So um, James is asking asking this question, like, okay, what, what then is, is to be done? And so, um, and so this is the particular uh, situation that is going on. And also in Acts 15, when it comes to the Council of Jerusalem, they were um, addressing this issue as well. What, what place does the law hold now? since um, now is being taught that um, you don't have to circumcise your children and you don't have to adhere to the law. So what, what are we going to do with the law? Okay, um, let's go back to the slide here. Um, I started with, uh, with there is no doubt, there, I mean, um, not there's no doubt. There is um, one of the areas, no, no, no. There's one doubt in my mind. Yeah, that's where I at. that if Bible students were sincerely seeking God's truth, and not the traditions of man. This debate could have been settled, okay? Um, so it is important for us as as disciples of, of Jesus Christ to seek God's truth when it comes to things. And I know that in our in our digging for truth and understanding, we may um, get tripped up. We may say some things that are not true, or you still still need to process some things. We um, in our I'm, I'm so grateful for the community that we have, um, that we are constantly encouraging and uplifting one another. Um, and we see that people are um, coming into, um, um, going, going into um, deeper deeper levels when it comes to God's word. And so we should, we should be able as believers to encourage and to uplift one another uh, when it comes to understanding um, God's word. Um, uh, aiming for or getting to the mind of Christ, okay? Um, uh, The slide, going back to the slide, it says, but the reality is that knowing the difference between truth and tradition is much easier said than done, okay? Um, um, Yeah, it's really hard, especially if you don't have a knowledge of scripture to understand what am I doing in church today Um, is that, is that true? Like, is that, does that align with scripture? But we've been doing it for, for years. So should I just continue in doing the traditions or should I really try to adhere to the truth of God? So I know that's a lot of people, a lot of, um, uh, people's testimony when it comes to wrestling with understanding the truth about scriptures, but yet looking over at our our churches and we're doing the total opposite. Well, should I just continue in it to get along or should I try to exercise the truth of of God, his scriptures, okay? Um, This is one of the areas where sincere believers have been so Christianized that approaching the Bible on topics such as this can hardly overcome the centuries of bias, indoctrination of organized religions. It is hard. Um, so it is hard, and is and like I said, it's easier to just to stay in a place where where you are rather than coming into walking in truth. Okay, because of organized religion, really forces you to to stay in that particular bubble in that particular lane. And so, um, yeah. So let's go back to the slides. That some scholars. Um, and Bible students alike, believe that there are many contradictions found in the book of Acts and the epistles, meaning the Pauline epistles on the topic of the law. But actually when you approach the topic with the transitional nature of this period of Jewish history in mind, the seemingly contradictions all but disappear. So that's why I kind of laid out that foundation at the beginning of the transitional indicators. When you approach the topic of the law um, keeping these indicators in mind it, um, and, and begin to go deeper in the, in the scriptures, these contradictions um, begin to disappear, okay? Um, and so this is all, of, it's all a part about building your capacity, expanding your capacity for the word of God, going in deeper um, in, the, in the word of God, okay? Um, and so let's go to our book, um, on page 176. Let me see here. Yep, I think I'm on 176. Um, it's, oh yes, I am. And on 176, under debate about the law and Moses, that same paragraph we were reading. Oh, wait. Some have argued. Okay, yeah, the beginning. Okay, the beginning of that paragraph. Sorry, I was in the wrong place. Okay, so beginning of that paragraph it says somehow argue that Lucan theology is fundamentally. Um, Let's see here. Oh, it's fundamentally mosaic. Okay, so when it, when the scholars talking about Lucan theology, he's talking about the the writing style or the approach that Luke is writing or the teachings of writing uh, teacher the teachings of, um, of Luke. Okay, so many scholars believe that it was fundamentally mosaic. Um, a scholar, um, Veilhauer, famous essay on the Paulinism of Acts asserted that Paul is portrayed as a Jewish uh, Christian or Jewish the te- technical term is a believer who utterly uh, is loyal to the law. Okay, um, utterly loyal to the law. Um, Jervail has become particularly influential since his essay, The Law in Luke, um, Luke Acts, where he argued that the, that the law is invalidated, abridged or outmoded. Others, however, descended from the conclusion that Luke is fundamentally mosaic. So this this author, particular author is bringing up the arguments that a lot of scholars have when it comes to the law. And we can jump into these arguments as we begin to to become um, better students of the word. We can have a voice in this argument here. A lot of these scholars don't understand the transitional uh, nature of what was going on here. And so that's, this is why it's such a big debate. A lot of these scholars, even though they may be astute, they have degree after a degree, a lot of these scholars are not disciples of Jesus Christ. And so therefore God is not going to reveal the secrets of the kingdom, reveal the mind of Jesus Christ to those who are not, uh, who don't even uh, commit themselves to him. And so that's, that's, that's scripture. And so a lot of these scholars, they, they go in these circles, um, speaking these things because they just don't have an understanding of scripture. And we, as Bible students, you, you won't believe, um, how much more we know not to brag on how much more we know, but a lot of these scholars don't know the things that we're, we're learning, Um, And so uh, we can jump into these, these conversations here. Okay. Just because they say they're a scholar, we shouldn't run, we shouldn't run away. Okay. Um, Or join in or not join into the debate. Um, And so when it comes, even, even when it comes to this book, even though I speak very highly of the book that we are reading, there are a lot of things in this book that I don't like, that I don't agree with. Uh, but there's a lot that I do agree with. And so I can have that opinion um, as long as I can back it up with scripture. Okay. Just like this, this particular author, always talking about Jewish Christian and all that stuff. You don't find that in, in, in scripture at all, you know? And so, um, and there, there are passages of scriptures that we can use that shows that they were called Um, Nazarenes, they were called the followers of the way. They were called disciples of Jesus Christ. They were called the followers of Jesus Christ, but they were never called Christians, okay? And when we do see them being called Christians, they were being called by outsiders, but they never called one another Christians. And so that's the argument. If I was sitting down with the scholar, I can bring up that argument and bring up passages and all that stuff. And um, And so we have to get to that point where we can um, see the truth and be able to sort things out, okay. Um, but of course, that comes in developing, um, developing your relationship, um, uh, developing your uh, your understanding of Scripture, and developing your relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay. All righty. So let's go to still in the book. Let's finish on in this paragraph. It says, "Those who've seen." Um, more of a consistency between Acts and Paul's letter on the view of the law, correctly note that's, that, number one, such practices and acts do not contradict Paul's teaching elsewhere that circumcision is a matter of indifference, okay? So the issue with Acts, uh, uh, acts 15, and so we see um, uh, Paul was the one um, in Acts 15, he was the one that, that was called up on the witness stand to talk about uh, arguing about circumcision. So there was a uh, fierce debate, um, saying that Gentiles, um, you know, he said that they did not have to be circumcised, but um, but the uh, a lot of the uh, leaders saying that they did, and they and the reason why that they did is because uh, that's what they were known to do. Uh, When it comes to outsiders being part of Judaism, they still had to be circumcised in order to to be um, to be part of uh, the the Judaism. And so there was a big debate, debate about that. okay? and um, and um, but we see after even after the debate, after Acts 15, when you look at the beginning of Acts 16, then Paul does this. It says, Paul, also, uh, Paul came also to Derbe and Lystria. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystria in Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. What in the world? The previous chapter, he was facing the council of Jerusalem and it ruled in the favor of Gentiles not having to be circumcised. But then we look here in Acts 16, Paul makes Timothy uh, to be circumcised. So a lot of scholars are like, "What, what is really going on? But the reason why Paul did that is because of the particular people that he was about to minister to. They would not have listened to Paul um, if they had Tim, if he had Timothy with him, knowing that he was a Greek and knowing that he was uncircumcised for the circumcision, the law of circumcision was a very important law um, to the Jews. And so to to get along um, um, the scripture that talks about and um, I believe it's first Corinthians that he said, I will become all things to all men. He just tells Timothy. To to go ahead and and, uh, become circumcised so that we can win souls. That's why Paul still adhered to certain uh, particulars of the law in order to win souls. You'll see, Paul talks about, you know, when I'm with the Jews, I do certain things. And when I'm with the the Gentiles or, or, or the Greeks, I'll do a certain thing. He wasn't being two faced. He was just meeting them where they are. This was Paul's strategy in order to bring them up even further up um, in the teachings of Jesus Christ, okay? So that's something to, to really um, keep in mind. So Paul knows that being circumcised doesn't uh, contribute to salvation. He knows that. But just to, but to win people over, he uh, told Timothy to just go ahead and do it, okay? And so that's that's really something to to keep in mind. Uh, All the scripture here it says, though uh, First Corinthians nine. I'm gonna end right here because I'm um, out of time here. It says, though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. Here we go. To the Jews, I become like a Jew. (laughs) <laughs> to win the Jews, to, the, to the, those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law. As to win those under the law, to those I, uh, not having the law, I become like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law, to the weak, I become the weak, to, um, to win the weak. Um, I have become all things to all people so that um, by all possible means, I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its suffering. So here we see Paul, um, his strategy to win people. He had to meet them where they are and to bring them up, okay? And this was, this was his strategy here. Okay. So, um, so yes, I'll, I'll stop right there. So any comments or any questions we're doing? All right. I know that was, (laughs) um, that was a lot, but, um, this is the strategy that um, that uh, Paul used, and so we're we're still um, going through the understanding of where the law was still in place, and um, do we have to follow the law today? If when if Paul followed the the civil the civil law, do we have to follow the civil law? And so we're going to talk about that even more next week. Okay, so if there aren't any questions or comments, I will go ahead and. Close class. Um, Father God, we thank you for this day and we thank you, God, for allowing us to come together and to speak about your word. We are so grateful that you are um, growing us up in your word, Father. Those who are diligently seeking you, Father, um, I pray, oh God, that they will not become weary um, in their reaching. Um, and their digging of your word, Father. Um, I pray, God, that you will continue to to bless us and to uplift us, Father. And I'm thankful, oh God, that uh, we are uh, understanding the scriptures, oh God. Uh, to the point where you're raising us up to be um, disciples. Um, And then scripture says, when the disciple is fully grown, then he becomes like his teacher and to the point where he can um, train other disciples. So thank you for this growing process. Um, Growing is not um, easy. Many of us are experiencing growing pains, but God, you are the one who... Um, who um, keeps us, oh God, you are the one who encourages us to keep on growing, to keep on excelling in you, Father. So God, we give you all the praise and glory and honor. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. Thank you all, and I'll see you all next week.